What's up, everybody? I'm Bob Walters. This is the Locked Up Sports Weekend Wrap-Up for a super wildcard weekend, an unpredictable wildcard weekend, a weekend where the Giants advanced, a weekend where the Bills and the Bengals did not look very good, and a weekend where we had an unbelievable comeback from the Jacksonville Jaguars down 27-0 at at 27-7 at halftime, 27-0 in the first half, and came back to win. Giants fans, we have ourselves a quarterback, we have ourselves a good football team, and we have ourselves a date with the Philadelphia Eagles next Saturday in the divisional round of the playoffs. And let's start right there with the New York Giants, and they played a perfect game yesterday. Daniel Jones played the best game of his career by a long shot. Not even close. Not even close he played the best game by his career of his career. He was unbelievable. 24 of 35, 301 yards, two touchdowns. There were no mistakes by this team yesterday. None. And it, was a, it wasn't a badly played game by the Vikings either on offense, but the Vikings defense was nowhere to be found. And in the beginning, the Giants defense was not very good either. This game went back and forth and back and forth the whole night until about mid-fourth quarter. Both teams got a stop, and the Giants took the lead. And then you thought that maybe the Vikings would have an answer one more time if the Slayton dropped a sure first down that would have ended the game, giving Minnesota the ball back. And the Giants defense needed a stop, and they came up, and they got a stop. And they win 31-24 in Minnesota. The 13-win Viking team is eliminated. Kirk Cousins, a lot of people are getting on Kirk Cousins for the uh, the, the last play there, the fourth and eight. We threw about a three- or four-yard pass. But, hey, listen, Kirk Cousins played well. He was 31-39, 273, and two touchdowns. No interceptions. The, ball, the game was played very cleanly, and we said that that's what the Giants would need, that if they made any mistakes, that it could cost them, and it, they did not make any mistakes. The game plan was well scripted. They played excellent defense when they had to. They got off the field on third down, which was what I said was going to be big. It was going to be big, and they did it. They got off the field. On third down, the Vikings were 4 of 10 on third down conversion, so 40%. The Giants were 7 of 13, just over 50%. Big games from the receivers again as well. Slayton, like we said, he dropped that pass, but he, he, he made a couple big plays. Four, four catches, 88 yards. Hodgins was the, the, the main target for Jones. He was 8 catches, 105 yards, and a touchdown. And... Listen, Daniel Jones was the key to this game. He was by far the best player on the field from the very beginning until the very end. And that's what you need to win in the playoffs. And you'll see that you see that a couple of the teams that did not have quarterbacks this year played well. Or this week, they played well. Okay? Buffalo almost lost that game to Miami. Buffalo almost lost to Miami. That game was very close. We're going to go over all the games, and we're going to preview some games from next week for next week. And we are also going to look ahead to the Giants. Uh, no, I'm sorry, the Cowboys and the Bucks tonight as the last game. Is I hate the Monday. I hate the Monday game. 
They get now. They get to play. The winner of this game gets to play Sunday. So they do get the last game next week. But I, I just, I, I, I don't know why they schedule a Monday nighter. Just play three Saturday, three Sunday. But again, I don't have the the say on that. But now back to the Giants. The Giants, Barkley. I was actually surprised when I looked this morning and saw that Barkley only had fifty three yards. I thought for sure he had seventy five, eighty yards because he broke a couple early. He broke a couple like 10, 15 yard runs early, and but he ended up with two touchdowns, nine carries, fifty three yards. You know, so Jones was by far the leading rusher as well, seventeen for seventy eight yards. So Daniel Jones, uh, I don't know if you know this is a one off for him. He seemed to have been getting, he's progressively getting better, and now here he is in his fourth year. And he puts up the best game of his career, and it's not even close. Now, the Vikings did not get any pass rush. They did sack Jones twice, but they they did not get any pass rush. The only time they got any kind of pressure, Jones was able to skate out of it, and, and he went around to the outside and he ran the ball. And it was usually for positive yards. So Daniel Jones wins his first playoff game. Barkley wins his first playoff game. Brian Dable Gets his first playoff win, and it was listen. It was fun to watch for Giants for the Giants fans. It had to be. It was fun for me to watch. You never really got the feeling that they were going to lose the game. Maybe a little bit when Slayton dropped the ball. Maybe you know the thought crossed my mind. Okay, here we go. But they were still up a touchdown, so you thought, okay, now we might we might be headed to overtime because. The Giants' defense, let's be real, the Giants' defense did not play great. Minnesota, it was just a back and forth. You know, they were going score for score in the first half for a while. It was 17-17 before you even realized it. You were like, wow. Like 17-17, you know, out of nowhere. But the Giants, you know, they went into the half tied. I'm sorry, sorry. They went into the half with a 17-14 lead. And then when they came out, they, they just, you know, they, they outplayed them in the second half. The Giants got big plays when they needed to on third down. The defense was able to stop Minnesota and get off the field on third downs against. And the Viking defense was not very good. Saquon, Bar- Saquon Barkley was running free a couple times with no one even in the screen. They were a couple. The, the winning touchdown was that play fake where Jones kind of threw it to the outs, to the left, to the flat, to the tight end, and there was nobody there. So breakdowns on Minnesota's defense that the Giants took advantage of, and they escaped 31-24 winners, and they go now to Philadelphia. And I'll tell you what, Philadelphia cannot be happy that they're going to see this Giants team. They beat them handily. The one time they played, it's really not that they really didn't play them twice, because that last game of the season, it was just, you know, it was just uh the backups for the Giants playing on offense and mostly on defense. But the first game that they played at MetLife was dominated by the by the Eagles. But this is not the same Giants team. This is going to be a more confident Giants team, a team with a confident quarterback coming in off his best game of his career. And we'll see what happens. But I listen, the Giants definitely have a chance. They've been installed as seven-point underdogs. The game is a Saturday night primetime 8.30 game. And it's a NFC East showdown. Giants in Philadelphia. 
You know the crowd's going to be crazy. It's a rivalry. You know the teams don't like each other. It is going to be a battle, and it's not going to be easy for either team. Obviously, it's not going to be easy for the Giants. They're a seven-point underdog, but this is not going to be a cakewalk for the Eagles either. Now, it's going to be much harder to protect Daniel Jones, and it's going to be a lot harder to get to the quarterback because the the Philadelphia has one of the best offensive lines in the game, and they, it's going to be tough to get pressure. And it, the Giants' secondary is going to need to cover because they got two big wide receivers on that team. And that's something they did big here. They did. They were very good, the secondary. Jefferson, really, you did not hear his name much. Jefferson, he had seven catches, which is another thing that I was surprised when I saw this morning looking at the, at the box score, that Jefferson had seven catches, but it was only for 47 yards. TJ Hawkinson had the big game for Minnesota. He was 10 for 129. And then, you know, they even kept Thielen and K.J. Osborne off the, off the board, really, mostly. Osborne had a big drop on that last drive. A big drop that would have really set things up. Kirk Cousins put a good ball down on a crossing pattern, and Osborne just dropped it. So then the Vikings are out. 13 wins, and they are out. Kirk Cousins again. Cannot get, you know, he can't get a big win. He played well. His defense did not help him that game. And the Giants took advantage. They scored when they could. They played a clean game. That's what they needed to do. And they went in there. They went into Minnesota, a tough place to play, a loud building. And they come away 31-24 winners. And that was yesterday's game. Now, the rest of the weekend, listen, there was, it was very unpredictable. The teams that were basically supposed to win did win. We'll get to that Jacksonville thing in a minute. Um, the first game of the weekend was uh, Seattle at San Francisco. And this is really the only game that went according to plan, I would say. I mean, Seattle hung, hung with them. They hung with San Francisco. Purdy did make some mistakes. He wasn't great. But you don't expect him to be great. It's the kid's first playoff game. And then in the second half, Seattle kind of, you know, they made a couple mistakes and 49ers jumped all over it. And they pulled away 41-23 over Seattle. But there was a time there in the third quarter where you were like, oh, wow. You know what? Maybe San Francisco's in trouble here. And then, you know, Seattle, they kind of hung with them as long as they could. San Francisco's a much better team. Geno Smith was... You know, he was 25 of 35, 253. If you look at the, the stats, though, the game was, I mean, Seattle gave up 505 yards of offense to San Francisco, over 300 passing yards, almost 200 rushing yards, and Seattle turned the ball over twice. And that's basically how, how that one went. Seattle was not going to be able to turn the ball over, and they turned it over once in their own end. And that's where the kind of the onslaught started for Seattle, uh, for San Francisco. And they pulled away. You kind of looked up and it was like, wow, 17 points. And San Francisco had put up 17 points in about three minutes. So Purdy gets his first playoff win. McCaffrey was big. I was wrong about McCaffrey during this trade. I didn't think he was going to be as good as he's been. But he's been excellent. He has been excellent. 
He had 119 yards on 15 carries. Uh, Samuel had six catches for 133 yards and a touchdown for San Francisco. And you can see they babied Purdy a little bit. You know, when they're not giving him the full... They're not letting him control this game. The 49ers, the, uh, the offensive coordinator... And the head coach, they're gonna, you know, they're gonna give him things that's easy to read. San Fran- uh, Seattle did not really disguise their defense as well. It wasn't that hard for him. He just dinking and dunking, nothing really down the field. You know, he threw one down the field. He missed the receiver early. That's not what they want to do. Listen, if they want, if they're gonna win the Super Bowl this year, it's gonna have to be like a Trent Dilfer situation, or even almost like a Tom Brady situation. The first Super Bowl that he won. But San Francisco marches on. They will get the winner of tonight's game between Dallas and Tampa Bay. For me, one of the surprises of the weekend. One of the big surprises. I did not think the Dolphins would be able to hang with the Bills. I, I picked it at 31-10. 34-31 was the final. And the Dolphins really could have won this game. The problems in this game came from the sideline. They weren't getting the plays in quick enough. They were, they were having all kinds of procedural penalties, delays a game all over the place, and in the worst possible moments. Fourth and one with the game on the line. Fourth and like inches with the game on the line. You could not have a delay a game penalty. And I blame, listen, I blame the coaching staff. I blame the coaching staff 100%. They know this kid doesn't have, all the, doesn't have a grasp of the offense yet. You can see his wristband. It goes up half of his arm. And it's got the whole playbook. So you've got to get the play in. He's got to look at his arm. He's got to find the play. Then he's got to look at the play, figure out what it is. And then he's got to run the play. And they were getting out of the huddle with six, seven seconds left on the play clock. That's not good enough. And listen, on fourth and inches, you're either going to do a QB sneak or you're going to hand it to the running back right up the middle. That's what you're going to do. And then for some reason, they even came out. When they came out to try to get the playoff, he was in the shotgun. And they didn't get the playoff. It turned into a fourth and six. The kid scrambled around. He still made a good throw. He missed an open receiver across the middle. But I listen, you cannot be getting that play in late from the sideline. That cannot happen in that game. And even with all that, the Dolphins only lost by a field goal. Another problem with the with the coaching staff that I had with the Dolphins was the, the play calling. I mean, this guy's got third and 19 on his own 10-yard line. Third and 19 on your own 10-yard line? You got this kid, no name in the quarterback? Listen, give it to the running back. Punt it and live to see another day. Because this game turned when on third and 19 on your own 10-yard line, the Dolphins decided to throw it down the left sideline, and the kid threw it short, and it was picked off. And completely changed the momentum of the game. If you want to throw it, fine. But throw a screen pass. Don't throw a hard go pattern down the left sideline. He underthrew it by a yard, and it was picked off. Two plays, three plays later, Buffalo's in the end zone, and that changed the entire game. Miami had some big plays. They did everything they could to stay in this game. Right out of halftime, the Bills get the ball, and it's a strip sack for a touchdown. And that's where I was kind of like, uh-oh, now the Bills are in trouble. 
because Josh Allen did not play great. 23 of 39, 352, two picks. He threw a bad pick down the field on a deep on a deep pattern. I believe he was looking for uh, for Diggs, and he threw a bad ball, underthrew it. It was picked off. A good play by the Miami uh, defender. Listen, the the Bills better get their act together because they are not going to beat Kansas City playing like that. They might beat the Bengals because the Bengals did not play very well either. We'll get to that in a second. But the Bills did not come out and play the game that I thought that they would that they would play. I mean, 34-31 to, to Miami, a team that had no quarterback. And is, is Skylar Thompson, you know, is he now, okay, he's a, the next thing? No. Because he's not very good. He was 18 of 45. Like, how did the Bills let a team with a quarterback that goes 18 of 45 for 220 yards, scored 31 points. Now they got seven on the on the from the defense, but come on, I was disappointed with the Bills. I really thought they would play better. They did not, and you know what? They got lucky that they're still playing. The Bills are lucky to still be playing because they could have very easily lost that game. Miami had the ball going. I, and then the last. After the, after the Buffalo got the ball trying to run out the clock on that four, uh, third and, I think it was third and eight, the guy made the catch for Buffalo. First down ends the game. And he kind of, he just kept going and kept going. I don't think the spot was good. I'm not sure they would have been able to overturn it. And they, it turns out that they couldn't because there wasn't enough evidence. But I don't think it was a great spot. I think he might have been a, an inch, a, you know, a couple inches short. Of the first down. And then it, it would have been fascinating to see if Buffalo decided to go for it or punt it away. It would have been a fascinating decision. Because, you know, you should be able to pick up a couple inches. But if, you know, for some reason you don't, you put Miami in a great spot on the field to tie the game, possibly even win the game. There was also a couple issues with the announcers that I had in some of these games. I had an issue with Tony Romo, and I am a big Tony Romo fan when it comes to to commentators. I think he's one of the best in the business. I think he's very good. Listen, he was all over rooting for Buffalo. You cannot be rooting for Buffalo. He was he was rooting for Buffalo like he this season cannot end like this. He was outright away. I don't even think he was trying to hide it. He was rooting for the Bills, and I get that he's rooting for the Bills because you, you want to have better games going forward. But he said some things you cannot say. And then the other issue I had with the announcing this weekend was without Michaels. Listen, I, I'm just about done without Michaels. I get it. You're upset. You were buried on Amazon for the whole season. You didn't get a single good game on Thursday night. That's your fault. You signed the contract. Go out there and be a professional. So now he gets here. He gets an NBC game with Tony Dungy as his partner. And it sounded like he didn't even want to be there. You got one of the biggest comebacks ever. And he's just ho-hum about it. He's not even talking about the play as they're kicking the winning field goal. And if you stick around for the end, we have the the Jaguars in the uh, sounds of the weekend. I put the Jaguars call in there. the, The Jaguars radio call. 
Al Michaels was just a disaster. He he was disinterested. I get it. it. He was probably in the first half saying, oh, here we go again, 24 nothing, 27 nothing. I can't get a good game. Too bad. You're at work. Do your job. None of us want to be at work when we're at work. We do our job. And he's been doing that all season. You know, in the it, it was funny for a little while with him bitching and moaning, kind of moping around in the booth. But, I mean, in the playoffs, we don't need to hear that. So those are the issues I had with the announcers this weekend. Um, speaking of the Chargers and Jaguars game, I mean, listen, the, the Chargers, Chargers are going to have to change their coach. You can't, you can't have that happen to you. Blow a lead like that. And kudos to the Jaguars and kudos to Doug Peterson. And I picked the Jaguars. Okay, I've been on the Jaguars for about eight, nine weeks now. But Trevor Lawrence came out. I don't know if he was nervous. I don't know if it was just... I don't know what it was in the first half. But he about he had about as bad a first half as you could ever have in any football game, anywhere, anytime. Four picks. Three of them right you know, in the shadow of your own goal line. Asante Samuel... Asante Samuel caught more balls from Trevor Lawrence than anybody, than a combination of all the receivers on Jacksonville in the first half. I mean, before you even blinked an eye, it was 17 nothing, And then it was 24 nothing, and at 24 nothing, he threw his fourth pick. And Jacksonville was able to hold him to a field goal. So now you see, you, you hit, it's 27 nothing. It's second quarter. You figure the game's over. Al Michaels is already telling you the game's over with the with the tone of his voice. It's the Jaguars get the ball. They go down the field. They they stick it in the end zone before the half ends, and that was a huge, huge touchdown. Twenty-seven seven is a big difference from twenty-seven nothing. And then in the second half, I don't know what happened to Justin Herbert. I don't know what happened to the Chargers' offense, but they did absolutely nothing. You know how hard it is to come back from down 27 points at all? It's about 10 times harder to come back from 27 points without forcing any turnovers. The Chargers didn't turn the ball over. They were just three and out, three and out. They were running the ball into the line. They, they, they were just It almost looked like they were trying to kill the clock with 30 minutes left in the game. Now, Staley hasn't been fired yet. Do I think he's going to be fired? I think you have to. I mean, I don't know how you bring him back. The Jaguars took advantage of the game. Lawrence kind of settled in. It took him a whole half to settle in, but he did. The comeback was methodically done. He did not have a good game. He was 27 of, I'm sorry, 28 of 47, under 300 yards, four touchdowns, four picks. I mean, what a crazy line that is. That's about as crazy a line as you could as you could get from a winning quarterback. It was a great comeback. It was a great it was it turned out to be a great game. Give Doug Peterson all the credit in the world for going for two. 30 to 26. So rather than go for the one, the extra point where a field goal would tie it, 
He goes for two so he can win it on a field goal. I've never seen anything like it. Never seen anything like it. It was, the, it was crazy. I'm like, what is he doing? He's going for two to win the game with a field goal? And if he doesn't get it, now they got to put it in the end zone? I, listen, Doug Peterson is a gambler. He's been a gambler his whole coaching career. All right? He had the Philly special. He had all kinds of crazy stuff in the Super Bowl. They've all worked. You know, when he when, when they start not working, they're gonna people are going to think he's crazy. Because that was a crazy move going for two there. It's not, you don't go for two there. You go for one. Because if you don't get the two, now you got to get a touchdown. But give him credit, it worked. Lawrence with a, a, you know, just stick the ball over the over the goal line. He's got those crazy long arms. Stick the ball over the goal line. And then again, the Chargers just had to run out the clock. They just needed a couple first downs. They couldn't even get a first down. They gave the ball back to Lawrence. Went down the field. And, you know, a 32-something-yard field goal, short chip shot, and just like that, the L.A. Chargers are out. They scored 27 points in the first half. They scored three in the second half. Three points. And the play calling was atrocious. And we'd be sitting here telling you that that Doug Peterson was atrocious, too, if if he didn't get that two-point conversion and they didn't win the game. But you know what? He, it worked again, and it always works for him. One day it's not going to, though. But until that day, you can't say anything. So now, last night's game was one of the better games, was probably one of the best games of the weekend. And give the Ravens credit and give Harbaugh credit. Because they played a hell of a game. They had the game won. They, oh, they would have won this game, you know, I think if it wasn't for that 99-yard play. And it, it baffles me what they were thinking. You want to sneak you want to sneak Huntley in there? That's fine. But they're pushing him from behind to get him across the goal line, and he's reaching the ball over. What's the point of that? Either you're going to go and try and, you know, burrow your way into the end zone through everybody, and you can get pushed from behind that way, or you're going to try and go over the top with the ball. If you're going to go over the top of the ball, there's no need to push you through the line. It defeats the purpose. So Huntley put the ball out there. It got run into by a couple of Cincinnati Bengals defenders. It popped out right into the arms of the def- of the Bengals and 99 yards. And that was it. That was it. Because the Ravens were going to score a touchdown there. It was a great drive. And that just, I mean, 99, that's just a killer, killer play. I don't know who made the mistake. I don't know if Huntley was supposed to go into the line or if he, if they didn't know he was going to go over the top with the ball. But, I mean, it's always dangerous when you go over the top with the ball of your line. It's always dangerous because that could happen. What happened right there that you saw happened could happen anytime. Could have happened with Trevor Lawrence on the two-point conversion. But other than that, the Ravens played very well. And Cincinnati, look, listen, Cincinnati and Buffalo better get their act together. Joe Burrow only 209 yards passing, 23 of 32, 
He got outplayed by Huntley, as far as I'm concerned. The defense gave up way too many yards. 364 yards to the Ravens. The Bengals defense gave up. Over 200 yards passing. The the offense was no good for the for the Bengals. 51 yards rushing for the uh, for the Bengals offense. 230 total yards. This is a team that a lot of people including myself said could go to the Super Bowl. 230 yards, 51 yards on the ground. And that's why Harbaugh is such a great coach. He put together a game plan that stopped the Bengals. 23 first downs for the Ravens, 18 for the Bengals. The only thing they were good on, they were better than the Ravens on, was third down. And listen, it helped them out. It helped them out. So, you know, those third downs were key towards the end there. And the Ravens got the ball. They, you know, they had a shot. They heaved one into the end zone, and it probably should have been caught off the deflection. And then after the game, J.K. Dobbins, of course, he's all upset. He thinks he should have got more touches. He thought they should have run the ball more. Upset with everything. And then he said something that, you know, I don't know why he says what he says. He said, if we had Lamar, we would have won the game. Listen, you don't need to say that. Clearly, everybody, listen, everybody knows that. But Huntley played his ass off. He played well. And to come out and basically throw him under the bus in the locker room, that, that's not right to do. Nobody expected you to even hang as close as you were. And to throw him, to, to throw the kid Huntley under the bus like that. Listen, that, that's between the, the Ravens and Lamar. Lamar did, did bad if he was able to play. And he didn't and he didn't come to the game. Like I said, I'm not a doctor. So I can't I can't tell I can't tell you that he could have played or that he couldn't have played. He says he couldn't have played. You got to take him for his word. But that's a bad job by Lamar Jackson and it's an even worse job by uh JK Dobbins. Cuz you know what? You weren't exactly lighting the world on fire yesterday either. You had 13 rushes and 62 yards. I mean, what, what do you want to do? It's not like you had broken two for, you know, running, breaking off clips of 30, 40-yard runs. You had 13 carries and 60 yards. So what, what do you want to do? You think you would have gotten, to, you know, broke a couple more deep ones if they gave you the ball more? So you throw your quarterback under the bus who played a good game. Huntley made some throws. I mean, listen, the play at the goal line, it is what it is. That's a wild That's a wild one. But to go in there after this and throw him under the bus like that, that ain't right. And Harbaugh, listen, he coached his ass off as well. The Ravens, they didn't have the players. Yeah, we all know if you, didn't have, if you had Lamar, you would have won the game. We all know that. If they had Lamar and Cincinnati played that game that they played, the Ravens probably win by 10 points. But he's your teammate, he's your quarterback. You shouldn't come out of there and say that. So I had an issue with that there. Now tonight, we got the final game of the weekend. I guess it's a three-day, because it's a three-day weekend. It's Martin Luther King Day, so today's technically a holiday. So I guess still the weekend. You got Dallas in Tampa Bay against Tom Brady and the Bucks. The winner will play San Francisco. In the late game on Sunday, 
The Cowboys are two and a half point favorites. I think the Cowboys are a better team. I don't think Tampa Bay is any good. I think they were the product of a bad division. But they have Tom Brady. So if Dallas is going to allow Tampa to hang around and Tom Brady gets the ball on the last drive and can win it with a touchdown, he's going to stick it in the end zone and he's going to beat you. Dallas has been all over the place this year. They've been world beaters. They come out. They could come out and blow Tampa Bay out tonight. That wouldn't surprise me. It also wouldn't surprise me if they lost by 10 points. And, of course, it wouldn't surprise me if Tom Brady goes down, sticks it in the end zone, and beats him on the last, you know, on the last drive. Because we've seen that a million times. The game's on ESPN 815. Now, like I said, I like Dallas. I think Dallas, Dallas is a better team. I have heard reports from different people over, and I've read things that that Tampa Bay's ready to ready to go. They're going to play their best football of this of the season. I don't know. I didn't see him play. They they have not played very well, and Tom Brady has not played very well either. They won a bad division, and they needed Tom Brady to bail them out multiple times with last drives, the length of the field. They had that Monday night comeback where. They were they were shut out the entire game, and then they got two touchdowns in the last, you know, minute and a half, two minutes of the game, and they won against New Orleans, I think it was. So, if the Cowboys play a, show up and they play, at, you know, to eighty percent of their talent level, they're going to beat Tampa Bay. It's going to be a loud building. It's going to be a Tampa Bay crowd, obviously. I'm not saying, I'll never say Tom Brady can't win this game. I'll never say he can't win a playoff game. But I don't think he does. I don't think he has the team this year. They were in a bad division. They did, they, you know, I just don't see it. I think, and I don't know if he's going to come back next year. I think it's going to be his last game. I also think that Dallas better win this game if they want to keep the coach. Because I think you go in there and you lose and you lose bad. Jerry Jones is going to fire the coach. But, you know, we'll see how it goes. I'll be at work, so I'm probably not even going to be able to watch much of the game. So setting up uh, next week for you. The early game on Saturday, 430, Jacksonville at Kansas City. Jacksonville is an eight and a, eight and a half point underdog. Saturday, eight eight thirty. First game is four thirty. Giants and Eagles are at eight thirty Saturday night, and the Giants are t- are a uh, touchdown underdog to start there. I think that'll probably come down a little bit. The Eagles have not played well recently. I think that's mostly because I think that seven point uh, spread is mostly because. They beat up on the Giants at MetLife earlier in the season. This is a different team. This is a different quarterback. And the Giants are going to be at peak confidence coming into this game. It's not going to be easy for the Giants. Philadelphia is going to, is a better team than Minnesota. They are more consistent. They have better players. They have better receivers. They have the, Minnesota has the best receiver. The Eagles have better receivers all over uh, Totally, uh, you know, in total. 
The Eagles have a better offensive line. It's going to be tough for the Giants to pressure. Put pressure on the quarterback. We'll see. We'll see. Because you know what this is looking like? It's looking a lot like the Giants' two Super Bowl runs. I know it's not the listen, but we but it, during those Super Bowl runs, after they won the wild card game, you weren't saying it was a Super Bowl run. They were going into Green Bay, or they, you know they they, were, they had a tough game ahead of them that you probably didn't think they were going to win. This is looking a lot like those Super Bowl runs. Now I don't, I'm not saying it's, I think it's going to end the same way, but we'll see. The third game next week, the Bengals at the Bills, both teams who did not really play very well this week. Both teams who kind of got a little bit lucky to be playing. It's a rematch of a couple weeks ago when DeMar Hamlin collapsed. That game never finished. That game will be Sunday, 3 p.m. So instead of the 1 o'clock, 4 o'clock on Sunday, they did the NFL goes with the 3 and 6.30. And the 6.30, the late game, will be out in San Francisco. And it's San Francisco hosting the winner of tonight's Tampa Bay-Dallas game. So it was a wild, listen, it was a wild weekend. It was a fun weekend. It was unpredictable. Giants fans, we continue to play. I want to hear from you. Let me know what you think on Facebook. On our Facebook group, Locked Up Sports Podcast is the Facebook group. On Twitter, at Locked Up Sports. Let us know what you think. Will the Giants win? You could always also head to our website, which is LockedUpSports.net. LockedUpSports.net. And you could hit the little blue microphone on the bottom right, right of the screen. Click on that and record a voice message. We want to hear from the Giants fans. We want to hear what you think. Is this team going to go into Philadelphia and knock off the Eagles? And it's going to be a fun week ahead. Last week was fun. The Giants being in the playoffs. This week is going to be even better because it's New York, Philadelphia. So we'll see how things go. we got one game left in the wild card weekend. And then it's on to divisional weekend, which is probably the best weekend of football all year. My favorite single day of football is Championship Sunday. Divisional weekend is the best weekend of football all year. And we leave you tonight with some sounds from the wild weekend that was in the world of sports. I'm not going to risk it with timeout so valuable. First and goal, Wilson jumps across, and Miami is in for the touchdown. First and ten to the end zone. Oh, it's Gabe Davis. Did he get the feet down? Yes, he did. Game, game, game. You said it. Game, game. Somewhere James Worthy is smiling. The game, James. The game, Gabe. And that was unbelievably well done on both sides, receiver and quarterback. Everybody in this room, but I am proud of you. 
I am proud of everybody in this room. But that's what it takes. What does it take? Everybody. Come back ready to work. Guys, on three. One, two, three. Guys. He comes back in, and the Chargers with an unbelievable first half. Third and ten. In the pocket. Fires, and that is going to be picked again by Asante Samuel. Well, what are they going to say here? Uh, Samuel, yep. Intercepted. Intercepted. And down by contact at the spot. Four picks, three by Asante Samuel. 36-yarder from the right hash to win the game. Logan Cook will put it down. Riley Patterson. Cook puts it down. Patterson's kick is up. The field goal is good! 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 The Jaguars have won it! The Jaguars have won it! They have come back from 27 nothing to win the game and move on. How good is that? If you enjoyed the show, make sure to let everyone know by leaving us a review on Apple Podcasts or on our website at LockedUpSports.net. Remember, you can also find us on your favorite social media site, on Twitter at LockedUpSports, on the gram at Locked underscore up underscore sports. Join our Facebook group, Locked Up Sports, or on TikTok at Locked Up Sports Show. Now you can catch all the latest from Locked Up Sports anytime. Thanks for listening.